This is Glistening Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories for people that I barely know and share them with you, and that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. Hey, listeners, you know how much I love this thing called podcasting, right? I might have said it one or 500 times on the show. Well, I found a new way to basically share this passion with others, and that's through podcast consulting. Do you have an idea for a podcast you're looking to get off the ground? Well, definitely get in touch because I would love to work with you to take your idea to launch and let you express yourself out in this world we call podcasting. So check it out at glisteningparticlespodcasting.com. Well, everyone, I think the universe is trying to give me a sign here that I need to take a trip to the Down Under because I have once again an artist from Australia. This gentleman, Giles Bettison, is from Melbourne, but he happens to be living in New Orleans. And I saw his work in the Chazen Museum in Madison, Wisconsin. And I liked it so much, I decided to Google him up and find him. And what I would encourage you to do is do the same. When you see something you like, either pull out your phone there on the spot or get home and search them up because, wow, this is a great conversation. Here's Giles. So um, I like to tell people how I find the people on the show because sometimes that's part of the fun. So uh, on New Year's Eve 2016, so this past year, I was at the Chazen Museum after having brunch. So the Chazen Museum of Art in Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah. Have you been there? No, but I know that they've got some things. They have two things. And the one that yeah. really caught my the one that I stood in front of for a really long time was called uh, Vista 14, number six. Right. Do you yeah. know that? Yeah. And so I, my, my background is IT. So I went to school back in the Stone Ages before um, things like programming and things like that. Back when yeah. we got to see like motherboards and such. And I remember seeing when I stood in front of it, because it's quite large, actually. It's uh, 28 by 16. So it's quite large and it's glass. All pieces of colors of squares. Yeah, there it is. That's the oh, over to. Yeah, that one. That's the other one. Oh. The, the orangish one. Yeah. That's it. So I'm looking at yeah. it on video right now, everybody. He's holding it up to the camera. That's it. I have it on my computer, too. At the Chase Art Museum. <laughs> yeah. And. It's so, it, what it caught my eye is it reminded me of a, of like a computer board. Yeah, yeah, printed circuit board. Yes, exactly. Did you think of that yeah. when you made it? No, but I know that those things that visually kind of relate a little bit. And I'm, I'm kind of into maps mm-hmm. and, and landscape and stuff like that. And maps are kind of abstractions of the landscape. And uh, and I like abstraction 
I think it's a good way to be very suggestive about a lot of things without being actual about things. And and in a way, you know, PC boards are uh, like maps mm-hmm. too. That's um, true. And yeah, yeah. So so I don't set out to make PC boards out of glass, <laughs> but but I'm, I I do look at them, and I've broken up electronic equipment and looked at stuff on the inside and yeah it's interesting so it was kind of a fun quest finding you like looking you up find you know digging around the internet to find you and then um reach out to you and have this story so i'm so happy that you're here to talk with me about it because your work is beautiful and stunning and actually the book that you showed me as we started this conversation tell me about tell me what it's called because people are going to need to see this book and i'm going to need to get the book that's where oh, we're at. right um well it's my name and then the, so the title is pattern and perception and it was written by margot osborne okay and uh i can give you the isbn number if you want <laughs> it's okay. I'll, okay i got it i'll uh, look it up and i'll include the the link to it and the show notes yeah, but i for sure want to take a look at that because it's huge how many pieces do you have in that book or in general how many pieces of that how I mean, many things have Oh, yes. of those? How many things have you made? Oh, things. A glass. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It, it, I don't know. In the last 20 years, anything from 100 to 200 things a year. Oh, my gosh. Um, maybe there's been a couple of years when it's been real slow uh-huh. and when I haven't had a place to work, so there's only been 30 or 40 or something maybe. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Um and they're not all big flat panels like that either. Okay. A lot of what I make, a lot of what I make is uh, little vessels. Okay. Little, um, I guess you would call them a, a vase mm-hmm. or a vase. And um, yeah, so I make a lot of those, and I do make some of those larger pieces as well, and different things also, but mostly vessels and the panels. What are your favorite? What's your favorite thing to make? What's the- oh. Right now, mm-hmm. um, I've been collaborating with a really, really good friend, mm-hmm. um, and that's the favorite stuff that I'm working on at the moment by far. Mm. But I like all of the things that I make pretty much. I mean, I, th- I think about everything that I do a lot before I start doing it, mm-hmm. and I don't want to spend time making stuff I don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a long pretty it's a long process with a lot of places where it can kind of go wrong um and so if you're going to put all of that time and effort and focus into it 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 takes quite a few hours spread over quite a few days Mm -hmm. to make one thing because there's a lot of different heating and cooling processes and so it's better to know what you're going to do and to be happy with that and sort of have some level of resolve about it before you do it Mm -hmm. um otherwise yeah, you, I wouldn't keep doing it if I didn't. Because well, right, of, right. Know, I mean, standing in front of a furnace day after day. <laughs> I mean, right. It's I I like making stuff and I like being good at doing stuff mm-hmm. and and yeah, it's a whole process that is intellectual and conceptual as well as physical and manual, and it just all comes together as one thing. So, I mean. In, some ways to answer that question is, well, the thing that I'm working on right now is my favorite thing. But at the moment, 
you know, over the last couple of years, I've collaborated with a couple of different people, and certainly who I'm working on at the working with at the moment is my favourite at the moment. Oh, is it really, a, is it a different kind of um, piece that you're making, or just the collaboration itself? Both. Oh, okay. It's it's I'm using a lot of the sort of techniques that 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 I've developed over the years, mm-hmm. and the other collaborator is doing the same mm-hmm. and the, the 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 work the the techniques and the i work together and the ideas and the concepts that we're developing up um really really work together and it, and it's a really really free and easy um collaboration and it's mm-hmm. super exciting um but it's kind of a secret at the moment. Too. I know because you're not really telling me, and I keep trying to ask you different ways. Like, yeah, I'll, ask, no, I'll ask it I, differently, and then I'll, <laughs> so I got I caught on to that. There's a few. <laughs> there's a. There's a. It's not quite ready yet. Okay. But yeah, and that's it, okay. It, that's totally okay. Yeah, I have lots yeah. more questions, so I can definitely dodge around that one and get to something else. So one of them was okay. So I don't know a lot about glasswork. I know a little bit about drawing. I know a little teeny bit about painting but i don't know i know very little about glasswork can you be precise about it like does it when you go in to make something and you have it in your head can you make it look exactly like you mean or is there just a lot of room for nature's gonna Uh, do its thing you know or science is gonna do its thing and and do what's gonna do i can make it pretty much how i draw it Mm -hmm. if i want but i really yeah but i like you know there's always something that might may creep in or not and i like Mm -hmm. the material to sort of guide things a little bit as well and the way i work is multi multi processes that sort of link together so i make out of colored glass and i use this particular kind of colored glass that's manufactured in oregon oregon portland oregon by the Mm -hmm. bullseye glass company which is an incredible um manufacturer of colored glass Mm. um Anyway, I use their colored glass exclusively because it's always there's a ton of colors that they make, and there's and it's and it always will fit together mm-hmm. compatibly. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of technical stuff with making glass so that it doesn't break. Yeah, yeah. So if the, if you've got two different colored glasses, mm-hmm. they have to shrink at the same rate as it cools down because you make it when you make it, it gets real hot. Okay. And then you have to cool it down to room temperature. And in that cooling, if the two glasses that you've melted together cool at different, if they shrink different amounts mm-hmm. or if they shrink in different temperature ranges, they'll break. Anyway, these people in Portland, Oregon, they're crazy technical makers of green color mm-hmm. glass and they make it all of this color that fits together. So there's that. So that's all looked after for me. I use their glass think about the ideas that I'm working on mm-hmm. a lot and different ways to be suggestive about them or to create pathways that people mm-hmm. can or reference points in the pieces that people could look at and, you know, can kind of maybe guide them towards things or it'll look like something or, you know, I mean, you said, oh, it looks right. like a print circuit board. Right. And and there is that. I mean, that wasn't necessarily the particular thing that I was thinking of, but the fact that it made you think it looked like something engaged you, so you right. became engaged. So it worked. Right. And it also like looks a little bit like a like a city or a town. 
like yeah. from above, way from above. Yeah. But I love the colors because I'm sort of a big fan of orange and I love yeah. all the colors in that particular piece. Okay. So do you remember these things? You have kids, right? So you, you might remember these things if they, they maybe they don't have them for years, but like shrinky dinks. Have you ever heard of these? Yeah. You get a yeah, sheet yeah. of plastic. Okay. Is that yeah. kind of what's happening with the glass? Well, I get a lot of different pieces of colored glass and most of the glass I use is in sheets. Okay. Sheets of colored glass and I cut it into little rectangles that are about three and a half or four inches by about five or six inches. Okay. And the 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 glass is uh, maybe an eighth of an inch thick okay. or something. All right. And I'm used to metric, so I'm sort of stabbing at it. But, uh, <laughs> I was wondering what that was. <laughs> anyway, I make it. I make a block of glass that's okay. made out of laser sheet glass, and the block is maybe four inches square by five or six inches long. And I okay, got heat it. that, and it sticks together. And I pick it up on a stick, uh -huh. which is called a punty, and I put it in a fire. And when uh -huh. it gets the right heat, I stretch it. Hmm. So it's like making candy or something. Like taffy. Yeah, or the Brighton oh. Rock candy or something like oh, that. Oh, right, right. And uh, and then it turns into a long rod, and the cross-section of that rod has all of the different coloured stripes oh. of the different coloured glasses. And so I go through that process once or twice or three or four times to make the patterns, and I end up with a whole bunch of little squares mm. that have all the, that are cross-sections off of a long rod right. that I assemble to make either the panel that you saw uh -huh. or uh, the vessels or some other sculptures. Um, yeah. It's so beautiful. I mean, it's just like I can't even fathom how many different things had to happen to make that panel. Yeah, a lot. It's a lot of pieces. Yeah, it's silly. I, I, look, <laughs> I, mean, I look at it and I'm like, oh, I want to make that again and then I'm, or something like that. And I think, you really want to do that again? <laughs> Like how and long did I, that take? How long did that take? Oh, uh, like a rough estimate. I'm gonna I, guess. I, let me guess for fun. I'll guess, and we'll see okay. how close I am. Okay, let me look at it again. All right. Okay, I'm gonna guess that it took um, that it took like 300 hours. That's my guess. No, huh? No. Now I'm too low, too high. No, it's probably. Um, <laughs> I love, I love when we podcast brought we pause on podcasting for doing math, but this is the awesome part maybe, of podcast. Maybe twenty four or thirty hours. Are you serious? Is that? But that's after you already made all the squares, right? All the pieces. No, that's to make all the squares. You and did that that thing that's gorgeous, and I stood in front of for like fifteen minutes in yeah. under forty hours. You're saying. Yeah, but you can't tell anyone that. Oh, okay. We'll have to erase it. Let me put a, a minute <laughs> no, no, marker. No, no. I'm just. <laughs> That's it, so cool. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. I mean, if you plan stuff out mm -hmm. well, you can do that. And that, <laughs> I mean, I, I think if you look at it, you might see that there's, if you look at all the little squares, there might be 15 different sort of patterns in there or okay. maybe 25 different sort of patterns in there. So I don't, I don't know. It's awesome. I'm going to have, can I put a picture of it on the post when I post it up? Sure. Okay. I, yeah, I, yeah, it's mine. 
Mine. Yeah, if you're okay. I mean, I guess maybe I'll need to get a picture from you or I can just uh, grab it off of the Chazen page. But because I want people to see this one because it's so well, they can go see the book too. But that one that started it all just because we're talking about it so much, it'd be cool for them to see it. Yeah. So how did you become what what led you to becoming a glass artist? And uh, with them, we'll figure out how you got over to the United States from Australia. So uh, I originally as a teenager had a idea of world domination through thrash punk rock <laughs> <laughs> so i played in like thrash bands as a teenager and really in my 20s and but to support that because in australia you know well in most places if you're going to do that it's it's really well we did it we did all right actually we, it wasn't an expensive hobby anyway but in between it wasn't the hotbed. It wasn't the hotbed of the punk movement, is what you're saying. Australia wasn't the hotbed of the punk movement. Not really, but it's a ton of fun, you know. Right, right. and surfboards and big amplifiers and stuff. It was cool. But, what, did, what did you play? Oh, really loud and fast. No, no, no. I mean, like what? Oh, <laughs> um, what instrument? Oh, bass. Bass. Okay. Bass. Okay, um, I just want to say there anyway. is a strong correlation between bass guitarists and artists. Okay, just want you to know that that seems to be the common theme all the I, time. I would have, I would have said otherwise, but <laughs> uh, uh, but in between doing that, I worked in metal factories. Okay, doing doing metal work. So in between, like going on tour with the band and stuff like that, I would get jobs mm-hmm. making stuff out of metal, and I could do that, and I or doing landscaping or doing steel fixing or whatever. Anyway, and that was, you know, at some point I was like, uh, the rock and roll thing isn't really all it cracked up to be. And and I was looking to upskill at something and I was thinking of getting better at machining or welding or something, but I knew a few people who were glass workers and, mm-hmm. and I started hanging out with them and – the social thing around the art world was a lot uh, nicer than heavy industry too, you know. And, yeah, and so I looked into that and I saw glass blowing. And I'd known people who'd been glass blowing mm-hmm. over the years and then I started looking at it seriously and thought, well, you know, maybe I could do that. How hard could it be? Right, right. You know, I have to tell you, you you say that I've known people who are glass blowers over the years. I literally have never met anybody who was a glass blower in my entire life. So I don't think that's. I think that was probably a sign. <laughs> well, Adelaide, where I grew up and stuff, mm-hmm. in 1973 there was a guy, Sam Herman, who came to Adelaide. He was brought there by the government to start up a craft place. Uh huh. And he started a place in Adelaide called the Jam Factory. Okay. Where they had like leather studios and weaving and ceramics and um, all sorts of stuff, and it's still going. And and they had had glass blowing, and the 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 guy who came there was a glass blower kind of dude Mm -hmm. from the seventies, and he was one of the first students that went through under Harvey Littleton, who's like the supposed like granddad of studio glass in America from Columbus, Ohio, or anyway, whatever. This guy was in Adelaide. So, and I was lucky. My parents were sort of into art a bit and where I lived was close to this place. Mm-hmm. And 
when I played music in bands, there were a number of people who used to come and see the, the gigs who worked at the jam factory, who were glass okay. blowers and stuff. And it was cool. And and a couple of them who were brothers lived in um, a share house with a, a with yeah. I just knew people who were doing. And, <laughs> no, these are good stories. I love the stories. So you can yeah, you can cool. continue any of those threads, and I will be all in. Anyway, I knew I knew these brothers and some other people, and then you know, time went on, and um, I met more different glass blowers through different people, and then I got to hanging out with them and and I could and I wanted to help out mm-hmm. and I knew how to make stuff out of metal and so I suggested that I could help doing that and I just got you know tried to make myself useful around the place and yeah. looked at it and looked at it and thought oh yeah I could mm-hmm. have a go at this and tried to get some work working for some people did a little bit of that and thought oh, I should go to art school nice. so, art. so you went to art school yeah. after all of that after, yeah, after the band. after a year or yeah, 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 yeah. I was like mid twenties or something. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, so it was do you, great. Do you remember what the first thing was that you made out of glass? Yeah, it was like a drinking glass. I think I still got it, or a little sort of tumbler thing. Hmm, that's pretty cool because it's glass, so they're harder to kind of hang on to, you know. Yeah, I've still got it. It's it. Yeah, it's cool. I think I like it. <laughs> or is it like super thick? Because I feel like around yeah, in my it's house. Super oh, thick. Okay. okay. It's super thick. It's great, but the sides are straight and stuff. I mean, it's it's okay for the first. <laughs> I mean, someone was telling me what to do every step of the way. Right. That's so cool but, that you still have it though, because that was a long, that was a while back, you know. And then it's your life what? work. Yeah. Yeah, it was like the early nineties or something. Yeah. So then, um, how did you? like switch over into creating art and selling art, making that your life oh, from there. Well, being at the Jam Factory, I got to meet people from all over the country. And, well, I mean, I wasn't at the Jam Factory, but going around there, like mm-hmm. I did some other work for different workshops at the Jam Factory, building furniture and stuff because mm-hmm. I could. And I got to meet people and I just thought, well, I just asked everyone what art school was like. Mm-hmm and what they thought of the art school they went to. And most, just about everyone was like, yeah, it was really good. It was really great. But, and they, uh-huh. there'd always be some little thing. Uh-huh. But people that went to the Canberra School of Art okay, who just said it was really, really great and there was no but. Oh, nice. So that was cam- camera, like the word camera, or is that a town? Can- Canberra. Canberra. See, glad yeah. I asked. A-N-B-E-R-R-A, Canberra. Okay. And where, where is that near? Is that like? That's like the D.C. of Australia. It's like the seat of government. Oh, okay. It's, it's, and it's <laughs> sort of halfway between Sydney and Melbourne, about three hours drive away from the coast, inland, fairly okay. good elevation of about, uh, geez, would it be 500 metres or something above sea? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> it's it, and it's, it's where all the government and the public servants and stuff okay. live and work, but they also have a university there called the Australian National University, and it's the, it's the centrepiece hmm. of the university system in Australia. And so it's really, really well funded, and it's the primary research institution in Australia in a lot hmm. of ways. I mean, you know, 
I'm probably in trouble for saying that, but yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. It's a hot house, and there's an art school attached to it. And so I went to art school in Adelaide for a year because I didn't know if I'd handle going from working in metal factories to being an art student, mm-hmm. but I liked it. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Canberra. I, I assumed that I could go to <laughs> art school in Adelaide and then show them my stuff in, and they'd want to have me in Canberra. And, of course, they only would take four students a year in the oh, program. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, I, you know, of course, I didn't go there assuming I'd get in, but I was hoping and hoping and hoping, mm. and I did. I got a oh. spot there and, you know, and it was incredible. And a lot of the faculty were currently practicing international artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a third to a half of the faculty were international. Um, the, and there was a continuous stream of visiting artists in all the workshops, mm-hmm. you know, painting, ceramics, metals, whatever, the, sculpture and in glass, which was brilliant. And uh, Sounds like a little bit of a slice of heaven to me, like to be around totally. all those artists and learn from people that are really practicing. Yeah, it was it was incredible, and uh, and they made it. You know, there was no wacky politics stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it was all it was good, and everyone was made to realize that they were really really lucky, and they were really special, mm-hmm. and that they should go for it. And mostly, most everyone did. Oh, that's amazing! Pretty cool. Yeah, that, um, that's the way to do it, right? It was it was an incredible time that I was there, and I got to meet and hang out with the guy that started the glass program there, a fellow called Klaus Moyer, who unfortunately passed away, um, and which was great. I um, it's always amazing to like learn from a master. You know, there's probably yeah. people who are wishing that they could spend time who are in the glass who are learning glass who are wishing they could spend time with you. You know, because you've you're basically a master artist at this and there's so much that they could learn, you know? Yeah. Look, I like hanging out with people who want to know stuff and I, I, I like um, showing people stuff at the moment. Like I'm an artist in residence at a sort of teaching studio here in New Orleans called Yaya okay. where they have a program for teaching teenagers Oh, cool. And I have a glass studio there. And so I've been, I've sort of done some teaching of the mm-hmm. students there and talking to some of the kids about different ways of thinking and, and you know, sort of informally kind of mentoring a, a few people a bit. And nice. that's really cool to be able to give that and share that. Absolutely. You know? And they'll, like, you'll, you'll influence them. Hey, I have to ask, is there a piece of glass on your desk? That you're uh, flipping with with your hand right now. There's one here. Is there? But is there something that you? Oh, that's beautiful. Or is it a pen that you've got in your hand that you're flipping? I keep hearing like something. Oh, oh <laughs> it's Halloween, and I made we oh. <laughs> we carved and we had some of these. Oh, the little candles. They're the yes. little battery-operated candles. Yeah, yeah. They're good toys when you're on a podcast recording, actually. Right. <laughs> or it's not really. It's not a mouse. It's yeah. So that is really good that you're giving back. I mean, that like, again, I think that the the experiences that these kids have with you will really stick with them and resonate with them and hopefully take them on their own path of artistry, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, I had doors open for me all all the way. And Mm -hmm. people, if they 
honest or stop to think about it did. I think anyone who's gotten moderately successful at something, I think, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe they don't realize, I don't, I don't Anyway, I can only talk about my experience and I had a lot of people help me out all mm-hmm. the way and mm-hmm. it was great. And I, you know, it was partly doing a lot of sweeping up and making reasonably good coffee and bad <laughs> um, So those are the star- those starter skills, sweeping, good coffee, and what was the last one? Oh, bad jokes. Oh, bad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, you kind of want to make, you just, you want to, I don't know, I always wanted to be around, you know, stuff that was interesting and mm-hmm. just interesting stuff is done by interesting people and you, you don't want to, go in and be an ass. You want to go in and help and, right. you know, maybe. And a lot of people helped me helped me a lot. And so, you know, I feel it, it's a responsibility to to do that. And I, mm-hmm. I love doing it. I mean, the part, I feel if I've had, I've been super lucky, super lucky with, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it, it's been a bit of hard work in there too, but. And I just think I feel the responsibility to sort of pass that on mm-hmm. as well as or just to if people want to know stuff that I know or, you know, it's important. And and I don't feel it as a burden of a responsibility. I think it's a it's a cool thing to do. And yes. I, if I get in a position where I'm able to help someone or share something or whatever, I mean, mm-hmm. I always come away from it feeling really great. I and, totally get it. Yeah. It's and like, I, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a win-win. Really, yeah, yeah, and I really hope that I can do it in a way so that the person on the other side of it walks away feeling really great mm-hmm. as well. Absolutely. Yeah, so that that's cool. And having an opportunity to be with the kids here in New Orleans for a bit and is 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 really really great. And yeah. you know, and I taught in the Pacific Northwest a few weeks ago and then before that I was in upstate New York teaching in January and stuff and just showing people stuff and and really linking it up with the ways to think and develop up ideas and concepts and how to how that can be like a continuum with all the technical stuff as well and mm-hmm. it, I, I don't know it, it just it's it's cool. I mean, if all that stuff wasn't going on, I don't think standing in front of a blazing fire all the time <laughs> in summer or in New Orleans, where you know that probably that wouldn't be what I would choose to do. But right, it's it's probably it's. I'm surprised you don't melt because that's a pretty hot situation there, <laughs> New Orleans in the summer with a with a furnace. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We work through the summer a fair bit, mm-hmm. but yeah, but stay fit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I bet. I bet it's like, yeah, just melting off all the excess all the time. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah, what I'll so need to do. Go do stand in front of a furnace in front of in New Orleans. Maybe that's next. So, um, what is it that you? What do you find your inspiration from to create your work? Um, like, what is there something in nature? Is it a net a nature type of thing or all sorts of stuff? I mean. Uh, I've been really interested in landscape mm-hmm. and I really started out getting, was I was pretty interested in a rural farming property that was in my family that my father inherited mm-hmm. uh, when I was about 19 or something. Um, and 
that got me really interested in my family background. And then when I ended up at art school and, and I had spent a lot of time on that property because mm-hmm. it was, there was no one living there. It was kind of a little bit derelict. And, um, but it was beautiful. It was really mm-hmm. beautiful. And it sort of started, I took a lot of pictures of it and had done sketches and started making work about it. And it was about, I had a, feeling of sort of belonging there or a sense of mm. place or something like that. And mm. uh, so that – and it was really important to me because that place coming into my fa- – like because I was I was kind of off the rails a little bit as well in some ways. And then that place showing up there that my father had and I did a lot of work there and I, I kind of – it was good because I looked at it and I thought, you know – if everything gets real bad, I can always come up here and pitch a tent and just live out the back of the old house or something right, like that. And, right. you know, I suddenly felt like there was a place that I could go and be because oh. I didn't really feel that before. Mm-hmm. And and it was amazing because I don't, and I don't know how you would have thought about me going and camping up there or not. Um, but, I mean, I did go and live up there for weeks at a time, really? fixing the place up so oh, that yeah. so that they could put crops on the fields because it was it was a wreck when mm-hmm. he got it. Anyway. Does anyone live there now? Uh, you could, but no one does. My older brother has it now, mm-hmm. um, and I think they go up there on weekends and stuff. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I, I think they go up there. Do you go back there at all? Yeah, I'm going back in a couple of weeks. Oh, or, no. In a week, I think. Okay. Um, for I'm going back for a couple of weeks to do some stuff, and I'll probably go up and have a look. Mm. There's um, something really um, humbling, and like you get a sense of security that you have when we, when we have a place that we know we can go. Yeah. You know. Well, it was that was really interesting, and it kind of settled me down a fair bit, and I got interested in family history a bit, and mm-hmm. and then when I started. You know, I was at art school and they were going, well, you've got to make stuff about what's important to you. And mm-hmm. that kept coming up. And so mm-hmm. the way that landscape looked kind of kept on showing up in my work. And and I, yeah, and it, so that started out me thinking about landscape and why that place was important to me. And, it, and you know, and it means a lot of things. I mean, the way people farm the land mm-hmm. is you know, people's response to the land. Mm-hmm. But the way people build cities on the land is people's response to the land. And and that I think I find that really interesting because we all respond to landscape mm-hmm. in one way, you know, often unconsciously. But um, mm. it's, it's interesting and, it, and it's a, a really uh, fundamental thing that we do, that you have to do. I mean, you can't go through your landscape, whether it's urban or rural or whatever, without having to respond to it. That's, I never thought of that. I'm actually and, thinking of the places where I go in a day. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm in the city some of the day. I'm in the country. And I, I mean, some, yeah. some places you go through and you just don't even think to look at because mm-hmm. you go through them every day or whatever and they might be banal or ugly or whatever. But, mm-hmm. you they, that you know, you still it's still hitting you like subliminally and peripherally and, and stuff like that. And and so if you're going through areas and you like, Oh, I don't want to see this because it's a bombed out, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you turn off 
that's kind of a shame mm -hmm. in a way. And so it was started out with that farming land and, you, you know, you could go through there. It's just like wheat fields and stuff and you could easily drive through there and go wheat field, fence, another wheat field, <laughs> fence, another wheat field, fence, dead tree, another wheat field, fence, whatever. Uh -huh. But it's beautiful. It can be really beautiful. And I started thinking about that and going – looking at landscape paintings that people have done on that sort of thing and gone, well, here's someone that's celebrating it and they've done a painting or something that's like that and they've taken the care to think about that and it has this meaning for them and then it helped me to look at it in a different way and then I'm making work about that sort of stuff and then maybe people can look at some of it and go, oh, you know, that reminds me of this and then they start thinking about that thing that might be banal or urban landscape or whatever and and maybe then next time they're going through that place where they normally turn off and they go oh maybe i'll have a look this mm. time maybe they engage maybe i don't know that's i think what a job the job for artists is is to mm. engage people and to by engaging in artwork it's teaching you how to engage in the world that you walk through every day it's a beautiful um, story yeah so it went from that and then into textiles i really like textiles a lot mm -hmm. because they're also another thing that we all are very very intimate with all the right, time right and and you know i mean people think a lot about their clothing but they kind of don't think about it at the same time mm -hmm. and you don't think about where it comes from maybe or the history of it or and then the textiles that have been used forever for massively right. celebratory things and so i've been like looking at different sorts of weaving and lace and stuff i did a whole bunch of his oh wow that's, that's glass yeah that's a glass thing that i made but that's kind of about lace wow that's amazing so uh what it is is a piece of it's a glass art piece that looks like lace yep. amazing Oh, you can't really uh, see. You have to get the book. Yeah, I'm going to get the book. I'm going to get the book. It's going to happen. <laughs> the Wakefield Press will love me. Um, <laughs> I know. This is, was it fun doing the book? Yeah, it was awesome. It was, it was, yeah, 2015. It was great. I mean, the the author, Margot Osborne, who wrote it, I've kind of worked with her for the last 10 or 15 years because she's curated my work into some shows that she's put together mm -hmm. Because we've kind of we've been interested in some of the same stuff over the years, mm -hmm. and and also she just lived a couple of streets away from me in okay. Adelaide, so we'd just have coffee mornings and chat about stuff. And oh, nice! We we already had a history of working together, so it was a it was super cool mm -hmm. thing to do. I mean, it was the most full on resume update I've ever. It was great, and it's just you know it touches on all of the ideas that are important to me to make work and so we went over them and really sort of yeah it, it was good I did you know it wasn't it wasn't hard it was a ton of fun right I bet great. like we talked about it's fun talking about it yourself once you get move once you get in the groove of it you know and the especially when we talk about our work right yeah, like if yeah. somebody interviewed me about podcasting I would light up and the room would glow and people would be like oh that's what she loves to do so, so who's going to interview you I don't know. I need. I was on one show, but I need to. Yeah, if you know somebody who will interview me, just ask. You can interview me. Do you want to interview me? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you one question. You can ask one question. 
pussy. <laughs> this is extra fun because uh, for the listeners, we're on video, so I can see the like the, the I can see your mind just spinning with how am I going to do that? Yeah. <laughs> or or maybe it's what did I get myself into? It could be that too. I'm not really sure which one. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, all of the above, perhaps. <laughs> so, is there a place on Earth that's your favorite landscape besides the one you um, that your dad had? Like, is there like you talked about Pacific Northwest a little bit and New Orleans? It has a lot to do with people. Hmm. I mean, it's all pretty great. It's it's funny. I mean, people ask me about things that are my favorite, and and I don't know if I have things that are my favorite because there's always really kind of neat stuff in everything mm -hmm. if you care to look. Mm -hmm. I like a ton of the landscape all around Australia. It's, mm -hmm. It can be pretty amazing and into the desert can be incredible because it's, you know, there can be seemingly a lot of sort of nothing, but it's not. There's mm -hmm. amazingness there and sky and, you know, subtle changes and things like that or, you know, the hills around Adelaide and stuff or where the farm is, and, you know, that's pretty amazing. But I just drove from Philadelphia to New Orleans and drove through some amazing, incredible landscape mm -hmm. um, sort of near so that. Like the Appalachian, Appalachian? Yeah. The Appalachian, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, around that, air, that, that area, mm -hmm. you know, Pennsylvania all the way down. And amazing and beautiful oh. landscape. And you know, it's a totally different thing. You know, it's lush and there's topsoil and there's trees and stuff. Mm -hmm. Things grow and um, in a different way than they do in Australia where there's almost no water and not really topsoil or anything. Mm -hmm. And then I've spent a lot of time in Ireland oh. on the West Coast and that's pretty amazing as well. Let me ask it differently then. So we know there's, right. so there's not a favorite, but is there a place that you're – really wanting to go see firsthand that you haven't seen yet? I love going and finding new places. Right. And at the moment, I mean, I've got a list as long as however long I've so got So every to place that you haven't gone to yet, pretty much every place you haven't gone to yet is on the list. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm not really into going. I mean, I don't necessarily want to go to like industrially decimated landscapes. Mm -hmm. And I'm not necessarily particularly into doing that. Mm -hmm. But having said that, I've seen people that photograph places that have been destroyed by like mining or, mm -hmm. you know, industrial accidents and stuff like that. And people, uh, I've seen photographs that people have taken of some of these places and they're stunning and amazing. And I, don't, I like, I like going into nature and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, I like going to cities and towns and I haven't got a priority list of this is the first place that I want to go to when I I guess that sounds like an artist then, because <laughs> I'm not, and I have lists for everything. I'm like, list, oh, list, 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 list. Oh, so, I don't think, yeah, I know a lot of people who are artists that do make lists of stuff like that. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I really like where I'm, where I am at the time that I'm there, and yeah. I want to be present in that place mm -hmm. when I'm there, and for that to be my favorite place, because I don't want to be somewhere and be wishing I was somewhere else. Right. That's perfect. Uh, do you, when you're um when you're working, do you listen to music? Sometimes. Is there a certain kind of music that you would listen to when you work, or is it just whatever is at the time, whatever you feel? Like uh, at the time? If I choose 
I don't know, all sorts of stuff. I, I listen to a broad variety of stuff, you know, can be anything from, you know, pop music, popular music and stuff to some New Orleans music. I like old blues. I like uh, Irish traditional music or contemporary interpretations of it maybe or there's a bunch of Australian music, some mm. that's popular and some music from, yeah, all, all sorts of stuff. It's got to be good. Okay, so that's that's a that's a reasonable criteria. <laughs> I, I mean, is there something else that you like to do for fun besides make the glass things? I do enjoy hanging out with people. People are, mm -hmm. people can be really interesting and good. Yeah, and, um, yeah. I I like hanging out with my kids as well. You know, they they they're pretty they're good fun and they they like hanging out with me and we joke around <laughs> about stuff. And that, do they ever work with you? Do they ever? Do, do you ever well, try to teach have, them? Yeah, they have a little bit. I don't. I mean, if they want to come in and and do mm -hmm. stuff for sure. And when we lived in Australia, the glass studio was in the backyard, and they used to come in and watch and do a little bit of stuff and get involved. It's a little bit more difficult here because I don't have a studio here of my own, but I'm making one. Mm. I mean, they're kids. You know, I mean, maybe they're going to rebel and be accountants or something. I don't know. <laughs> or... I don't think that was ever said in the history of all time. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think they're going to rebel and be maybe be accountants. That's that is awesome. <laughs> well, you know, I mean. The accountants' kids rebel and turn into musicians. I know. Oh, I know. That's why it's so uh, funny. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. But and I don't want to. I don't want to force them to do it. But if they want to come and do it, right. and we go talk about arty sort of stuff a fair bit, you know, and ways to look and think and stuff. And my eldest daughter is really into sort of fashion and into making clothes, and I like mm. sewing as well. And so she's learning to sew and there's a, a really cool fabric shop here that we like going to that has a lot of really neat stuff. And yeah, I like, I like, we like going there and looking at mm -hmm. all weird and great and beautiful fabrics and, and she, you know, and I'm, I'm really psyched to watch her get into that because mm -hmm. I just have to be really careful that I don't leap in there and take over. <laughs> but, but yeah, I like making stuff. Mm. Um, I like, yeah, I like getting on the sewing machine a bit and sewing some things. I don't know how to sew. I should know how, but I don't. I even have a sewing machine, but I still don't. I jam it up all the time. But I have oh. to tell you, I just thought about how it would be really a treat to walk around a city or in shops or whatever with you and just hear you describe what you see. You know what I mean? Like, because you are so observant. It would be just such a treat to hear that. Yeah, it, it can be. It can be fun, but I usually want to watch myself. Yeah, I like looking at stuff. And, uh, yeah, you know, like seeing it through someone else's eyes, especially an artist like yourself who pays attention to that precision. That's what that's, I mean. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, I have a really good friend, and we we walk around and look mm -hmm. at tons of stuff and and um, think about things and. And, I mean, we're collaborating on this work together, but we're thinking of all of these amazing things. And the thing that's really beautiful is is when you have a good friend or you're collaborating and stuff that you, 
you might be looking, you might look at something and see it a certain way, and then someone else will look at it and tell you how they see it, and then all of a sudden it's like seeing a new thing, you know, right. and seeing something from someone else's, and it's really beautiful. It's a really, really cool thing, and and when you get in a place where you can be open, listening to people and stuff, it's great because mm-hmm. you know, like working with kids is great because they they just generally are not laden up with what you end up having to deal with when you get a bit older and have to support mm-hmm. yourself and stuff. And and there's some there's a freshness right. and a clarity that can happen there or just flat out wackiness, which is all <laughs> kind of Well fun. they they're unedited, you know, they're not trying to filter. They're unfiltered. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's or it's different. It's mm-hmm. it's really cool. And, you know, so hanging out with friends and I mean collaborating mm-hmm. and stuff is, is really cool. And just when you can get some level of sort of oh, what's the word? I don't know. When when you, you when you get what someone is saying or when you sort of you know, when you decide that you're gonna be open to seeing things or being flexible or looking through other people's eyes, it's really, really great. And so and you know, and doing that by talking with your friends and stuff is really cool because mm-hmm. you can learn to do it for yourself. Right. And and so that you can look through fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. Because you go, well, hang on, how 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 do I get to actually look at that, or how do I find other things in there that maybe I'm skipping over? You know, I mean, you can always freshen it up. You know, you mm-hmm. unload it a bit and get yeah, it's cool. So, and people people help us do that, and kids are really great at helping us do that. You know, it is that case though. We we see the world we see is based on our own perception, our own stories, our own history, our own thoughts, yeah. right? So when we're with other people, it right away forces us, not forces in a bad way, but just puts us in that place to start seeing things from a different perspective a little bit. Yeah. And yeah. then when we try to do that ourselves, like like let's say let's say you lose your keys, right? You can't find your keys. And we say, we walk through the house and we say, I can't find my keys, I can't find my keys, I can't find my keys. It's really hard to find your keys. They might be right under your foot, but because you've told your brain, I can't find them, it actually won't. So the thing they say now is when you lose something to say, I'm finding my keys, I'm finding my whatever it is, and they'll just turn up. So it's kind of like when you go look at things and talk about things and see them through someone else's eyes, it's almost like seeing it really like finding the keys or whatever. It's like all of a sudden what wasn't there is there. Well, for sure. I mean, that's great metaphor because it is, you're finding the key to how to look Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and finding a key of how to unload all of the baggage that you might be bringing with you when you're looking at stuff and Mm -hmm. you're going, oh, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's not that or maybe it's this or whatever, you know. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of, it's, yeah. It's kind of like right now. It's becoming winter in Wisconsin, and right. I and my my brain don't like winter. I don't like cold. I don't like. I don't want it. And I forget to see any of the beauty. You know what I mean? Because I'm in this mode of it's too cold. I don't like it. <laughs> so if yeah. I can change that perception and just shift and look at it a little bit differently, I can see more of the beauty of the the changing of the seasons or the beauty of this period you know what i mean and like you said yeah yeah. it's no fun 
being in a place and wishing you're somewhere else. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You, you should go to that other place or right. figure out how to love being where you are or right. at least like it. I know. <laughs> yeah, I don't use the H word very often. Hate, obviously, you know what it no. is. It's not the hell word, but the H word. Yeah. The hate word. Yeah. But uh, it, it almost slips out when I think of... Um, winter and snow because i just like i like being outside in the warm air so right yeah well yeah i don't know if i i've never really lived anywhere where i lived in new york city for a few years yeah it's cold there god gets cold there yeah um there's new york as well but, yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a lot more to see than uh, the back roads of Wisconsin. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, I generally, I don't yearn to go and live somewhere where mm-hmm. it gets locked down for six or eight months a year, really. Right. But yeah, I know plenty of people that do. Yeah, I guess I, I'm, yeah. I'm working on moving. It'll happen, but I still, for right now, you're just helping me think about how through this next winter, because I know I'll be here at least one more winter. Um, I can change my thinking and I have control of that and I can try to see the beauty in it, you know what I mean, versus fighting it and resisting it the whole yeah. time. Yeah, Yeah, because you won't win. Right, it's still going to snow. Because we just stop crying. It's know, not going to go, oh, I know. I'll, I'll go away, I'll leave you alone. I know, yeah. It's, it's not, yeah, it's not really been listening to me for the last mm, lot of years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay, so we've been talking about a lot of different things. This has been kind of fun. Well, it's been very fun just going down this really windy, meandery road of of an artist's mind, which is pretty fun. Is there anything you wanted to ask me before we before we wrap up as my one-question uh, podcast interview from an artist? <laughs> oh, what is the question that you would most like to have someone ask you? Oh. That's a tough one. Way to throw it. Way to throw it back at me. <laughs> this is like my the whole thing. I'm just totally non-committal about everything. <laughs> um, I would like people to ask me why why I love to talk to people on podcasts. So you can ask me that. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. We'll pretend you just asked that. So. <laughs> okay. What is it? Why do you like talking to people so much? <laughs> Thank you for playing along. Um, because I'm insatiably curious about people. And uh, I feel like when I talk with someone like this and have a one-on-one conversation, it's like my life is now changed because I learned about you. And so each person that I learn about, it expands who I am. And so it's a little bit selfish in a way, maybe. That's great. But I use it for good instead of evil, so we won't call it selfish. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We got to look after ourselves. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people could say that's selfish, but sometimes you can get a little bit of that from everyone every Mm -hmm. day too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, if you get to pick and choose people that you get to chat with, that's pretty cool. Well, even Um, just, uh, walking around in my life, you know what I mean? Going to work, going to the store, going to, you know, whatever things are lined up for the day, I really make a conscious specific effort to engage with every person I meet in a positive way to bring the best positive me to that moment because the chances of it being having like this great, juicy, good outcome are a lot higher if I bring that person versus if I bring the crabby person that that, that exists, but I try not to bring her out in public too much. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and more, you're more likely to walk away from it feeling good. Right. You know, and sometimes it's hard to bring good to 
things. Right. But the harder it is, usually the better you feel for doing mm-hmm. it. It's like a boomerang. Uh, it's like a boomerang. If I bring it, yeah. it comes right back at me usually. Yeah, yeah. It's it's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's great. <laughs> well, thank you for asking me a question. I feel very much part of this interview now. So thank you for that. Oh, so, um, well, I want to also thank you for sharing your time and your, the, you know, just the inside mind of an artist and uh, for creating all this beautiful glasswork that we get to enjoy and uh, trusting this crazy lady who found you on the internet <laughs> and reached out to you. What could possibly go wrong? What's that? What could possibly go wrong? Right, exactly, exactly. It only took us, what, um, 10 months to finally get this line Right, up. really, yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, things get busy. It does, so thank you. And I look forward to hearing your top secret uh, thing that we can share out with everyone when yeah. it happens. Yeah, for sure. Right. No, it's it's super exciting. Super exciting. You don't say super oh, yeah. a lot, so it must be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All I right. So. All right. Well, take care. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Good night. All right. Bye. It was really such a pleasure to spend time with Giles. He's truly an artist and has such a thoughtful way of answering each of the questions. The thing I took away from his story especially, though, was paying attention to what's around me. So this last weekend I was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is about an hour from where I live, and spending a little bit of the city lifetime. So I went to a concert, some great meals, explored a couple of neighborhoods, and after listening to his episode on the way there, I noticed I was paying way more attention to everything around me. I noticed the tiniest bit of a raspberry left in a silver pan. And I noticed this one string of lights on the backside of a huge old factory and the people and the shapes and the glimpses of the angles and all of it. I think that's something I wasn't doing and I so much appreciate the reminder he gave us. So I hope you do too. Thanks for listening, everyone. So are you following your passion, inspiring people and willing to share your story? Then find me because that's what I do. And remember, keep up with all the news by visiting glisteningparticles.com and signing up for the newsletter where you'll get the inside scoop on where I'll be wandering next, some guest updates, and the latest random acquaintance story. For up-to-the-moment shenanigans, follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you see me post from down the road at your local diner, be sure to drop everything and come say hi, because I love to meet the listeners. Until next time, keep shining. Thank you.